Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Something Rotten, a game query podcast mini-series on the game Max Payne 3. My name is Jacob Geller. I am here with your always co-host, Blake Hester. How do you feel about the title of co-host now? Does Uh, it make you feel small? Or do you feel like you're relinquishing power? I feel like if I'm now a co-host, that means some other in the GQ cabal of hosts and individuals have to start doing some of the work I do now. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like some other people are going to take on some editing duties if I'm now the co-host. I feel like Leo doesn't have anything to do, right? Like, he's got a lot of free time. I have to beg Leo to show up twice a month to hang out with me. I don't know (laughs) if he would do any more for this show than he already does. He's, He's a beautiful, busy man. Well... Let's waste no time in getting to uh, today's stuff. As I said, this is the the chapter five or our, our issue five, chapters 13 and 14. More importantly, this is the end of Max Payne 3. That's right. We did it. We did. We played the whole thing. There are only two chapters for this. Usually we do three, but there's so much in these two that it seems appropriate. And it's also just me and Blake. No guest on this one, because we're, we're drilling deep into it. There's so much in these chapters that I had to pause the game for a bit, pull up some videos on YouTube of the previous chapters to remind myself of who all these people were. <laughs> I was like, who is this motherfucker Becker I am going after? Turns out he's a name dropped in uh, about one cutscene the chapter before, which I had played exactly seven days before uh, this one. See, my strategy is just never do that and then completely lose track of all the characters. I okay. I, this is a weird this is a weird tangent, but I I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but uh Eagle Eye GQ listeners might know. I, I have like pretty bad OCD. I've written about it in the past. And one of my OCD triggers, weirdly enough, is like being able to follow stories. So the second I feel like I don't know what's happening in a story of a game or a movie or a book. It like shuts my brain down and I have to fix that problem immediately. Uh, And Max Payne, with as many players as there are, few trips to the wiki. (laughs) It is wild that you like this game that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like by the second chapter, I'd just be like, I don't know, man. Well, I'm also playing Persona 5 right now. And let me tell you, Max Payne, a lot easier to keep track of than that game. Uh, But yeah, a lot of trips to the wiki, a lot of trips to YouTube to remind my dumb, broken brain of who these idiots are running around this game. It's there. There are a lot of dumb, broken idiots here, yeah. um, and and we start this chapter by saying goodbye to some. Uh, we might we might have talked about this uh, at the tail end of last time, but this is so. So previously, Max uh, got on top of a building uh, that was an organ harvesting, uh, in industry center resort, uh, and he it was a resort. Yeah. <laughs> It was a nice hotel. Uh, He blew it the heck up. Um, You thought this might, is this the end of Max Payne? No. Uh, Passos comes. He has a helicopter somehow uh, and they fly away. And then this, this one's kind of starts with Passos being like, all right, I'm going. Yeah. You sure you're not going to shoot me? And Max is like, 
not right now you little scamp yeah i didn't i think we talked about this in the previous episode but i do not like the way they write passos out of the script here i mean honestly i understand his girlfriend's pregnant so that's a big that's a big stop sign for max Payne. but passos should be dead as a doornail for the shit he pulled on me and my boy max uh also just like the way he leaves the game is so it's almost like a cop-out he's just like all right well I've served my purpose in the story. <laughs> a, a literal cop-out, if yeah, you will. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, let me ask you, what do you think he's, like, doing in this game? Like, what is what is the purpose of his character? Is it is it as simple as just Max has kind of a partner to do stuff with him in some levels? Or is there some, like, kind of more thematic narrative purpose that Passos is, like, filling? I mean, I guess if I wanted to, like, dig too deep into it, he could serve as kind of the irrational voice of Max's addiction. He is often the one, like, encouraging Max to go further, and he leads Max through a lot of bad events, especially in the New Jersey chapters and the, like, stadium chapters. I don't know if I would give this game that much credit to have written Passos in a way that he's almost, like, the drunk voice in max's head um well yeah because i also feel like he's he's younger than max mm -hmm. he's he's handsome he fucks uh he's funny you know it's like he seems he's kind of the coolest character in this game sure and he also like super fucks max over but in a way that then seems to kind of not matter that much or at least is like swept under the rug yeah um and i yeah i don't know if he's like if max sees in him a you know the fact that he's going off with his pregnant girlfriend maybe max is like ah, i hope he doesn't turn out the way i did because once i had a pregnant girlfriend presumably <laughs> well max um, pain four yeah <laughs> Passos yeah, girlfriend or they're just cat. they're just leaving the door open for that. Yeah, he's he's weird in the fact that he just seems kind of like a straightforward dude, and this game kind of doesn't have any of those. He's a character only when it's convenient to the story. Like he's in the first couple chapters, but then he dips out for a few chapters, and you almost like forget he's in the game, and then he comes back, but then he goes away, and then he's the bad guy. <laughs> But then he's all right in Max's book, and then he leaves. Like, he's only, he's not even, like, a persistent character throughout the game. Yeah. And he's also, he's just, he's just not twisted, baby, you know? In the, in the world of Max Payne, lots of characters are twisted. Paso seems kind of milquetoast. But he is twisted in the sense that he has some understanding of what some members of the Bronco family are doing and is willing to turn a blind eye to it for a paycheck for his family which could raise some interesting ethical questions about like what where you would be willing to go living you know it, it's it, it implied that passos is not a, a wealthy man by any means and he's living in mm -hmm. a very unwealthy dangerous country there would maybe have been some interesting conversations the game could have had about why he is willing to you know trick max and turn a blind eye to what the broncos are doing but the game never has those conversations. Yeah, it's weird that we never even get a kind of, like, 
does he feel bad about tricking Max? Yeah. It, like, like that. that's not a conversation that happens? That just seems like something, you know, he seems like he should feel guilty or whatever, and I just have no idea if he does or not. I mean, they don't even really have a conversation about what Passos did to Max. Like, on top of, <laughs> yeah. on top of the Oregon Hotel, Max is like, bro, what the fuck? And he's like, my bad, kid on the way. And Max is like, all right. Yeah, and Max is like, I won't won't shoot you right now. Yeah. Um So then so then Max does some some truly crazy shit, which mm. kind of seems like the De Silva encouraging him to kind of go die part two, right? Dude, this chapter I mean look, as a game query host, I do have to go ahead and put it on wax here that uh, this chapter where our main antagonists are cops, very good in my book. Uh, <laughs> this chapter fucks. But Just out- like Passos. Outside of the uh, shooting cops thing, this chapter just rules. Like, going through this office building is just awesome. This chapter it's might be my chapter. favorite. The- these last two might be the best chapters in the game. Mm-hmm. Even if for half of chapter... 14 or whatever it was the one in the police station i wasn't actually sure what i was doing i had that's what i had to look up be like why am i here again yeah so so he goes in so he he voluntarily turns himself into the police station he he goes in and he drops his gun and they put him in handcuffs um and then he just he just fucks two guys up in an interrogation room like they're the three his handcuffs off like how does he even i don't remember actually but i like that he three stooges those two cops the cops are leading he does a little head bomb (laughs) max Payne is such a badass dude that jumps out of windows and fucking flies through slow-mo but to take these two dudes out he's like and gets them yeah it's (laughs) so so after he uh pokes them in the eye and kicks them in the butt um so he he leaves the interrogation room and and yeah you you know, it, it's really interesting the kind of hierarchy of enemies you fight in this game because it goes from kind of just fucking like random Italian dudes and like street thugs in Brazil to like militias, and now it's just police who are presumably kind of like the highest trained out of out of all of them, and so it's like you've got you've got really high quality weaponry here you know you you have a lot more like assault rifles and not just kind of like old pistols and stuff than you have the rest of the game and also these guys it's basically a headshot or nothing like Mm -hmm. you can shoot them in the torso 12 times and and they just kind of keep getting back up i think this uh chapter took me about two times as long as it probably will most players because i think i played the entirety of it in slow motion I just kept bullet time on. I like when you get the RPG. That was real cool. Yeah, so so one of the kind of little like subplots that's happening is like there is a prison break at the same time. Is it is it because of Max? Yeah, yeah or yeah. okay, so he hits a button. No, to, like, no, 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 open. no, no, no. Sorry, De Silva. De Silva does that and causes a huge distraction that allows Max to basically have his right. run of the of the uh, police. The uh, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol of Prison Breaks, which is just let everyone out. I bet it would have been a way cooler 
scenario, almost like Uncharted 4, if you just started, like, working with the prisoners to kill the cops in this level, and they, like, <laughs> they, like, explain it away in, like, some throwaway dialogue where Max is like, they wouldn't know me from a cop. And I'm like, well, first off, you're, you're not Brazilian, so they might understand something's a little different about you. Yeah. But um, he's like, I don't want them to see me because they'd shoot me too. And I'd be like, it would be so cool if you just, like, had a little fucking crew you and some prisoners mm-hmm. in this level and you just wrecked shot. They also start shoot dodging. <laughs> that would have been so sick. Um, yeah, so you find out in the middle of this, I actually liked um, one of those little clues you can find is like some more information on De Silva that shows like, mm-hmm. oh, he's like a kind of cool dude. You yeah. know, like unlike everyone else, he really seems like he's putting himself on the line here yeah. and like the cops have him on their shit list as much as they have Max on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, after a game of everyone kind of putting Max in danger instead of themselves, I feel like it's really endearing to just be like, oh, he has like a lot of skin in the game. You know, like he yeah. has made personal sacrifices to get us to this point. But also he does tell Max numerous times, I'm not going to do that. That'd get me killed. You go in there, dumbass. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he, he probably can't, like, slow down time and, and throw himself down a stairway, but, like, he, you know, he can hack stuff. It's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, he, he's... You need in, both types. I, I am not 100% clear on what Max is doing here. You're going to look for Becker, who you find out is, like, the right-hand man of Rodrigo Bronco or Victor Bronco, the, the, the older of the two sons. I can't remember his first name. Mm-hmm. But, like... Also, you're looking for intel on the when they raided the office, I think. It's it's a little unclear on what Max is doing outside of De Silva being like, heard about this Becker dude? What if you raided a police station? And yeah. you're kind of left to like make up the story a little bit in your brain about who Becker is. Like it's super vague about it. At one point they're like, you know, he contributes a lot of money to the Bronco reelection campaign i'm like oh so is he like does he work in industry or something who is this dude and when you see him yeah, it's, just it's like, like you're just killing like super pack owners yeah and when you finally see becker he's just like a cop and i'm like how does he mm-hmm. have the money to like fund this campaign but also he's an yeah. organ stealer so i don't know like well there's a, there's that other guy who is um uh the kind of like I don't know what the right way to say this is. He almost looks like Albino. Yeah. Do you yeah. know who I'm talking about? And yeah. I was playing, um, I was replaying some levels uh, in New York Minute just because I, I couldn't get enough. And it's like, he gets more screen time than Becker ever does. Because you see yeah. him as like, he's literally the dude who like makes the handoff in the slums mm-hmm. to like give give the organ donors the unwilling organ donors to the ufe and it's like he's really distinctive looking and and kind of sticks in your head as like oh that's a villain and so you have this little boss fight against him and that makes sense just because you've seen him before but then you're yeah you're like who the hell is this guy becker's in the game at some point but i don't remember exactly when honestly a lot of me putting the becker story together was watching that cutscene like pausing watching to figure out what the hell is going on and then just trying to connect the dots in my mind and be like i guess him and 
Bronco had a good relationship, so they were doing the shady organ deal together, which Bronco was using in large part to launder money to fund his reelection campaign. But exactly Becker's role in it, other than maybe being the cop that was securing the bodies that they were taking to Oregon Hotel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I assume. It sounds right in my head, but the game is not super explicit about it. Yeah. Also, uh, I will say about Becker, uh, we stand a short king. I like that he's a, he's a little short guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Which that. Which is pretty funny. I like the... A little bit of ludo narrative dissonance here. I am a kill screen alum, so allow me to get a little smart about this. Uh, I like that <laughs> Max does the most badass Superman shit ever, but Becker's like, ah, I got you with the taser, and it just fucks Max's world up. Yeah, Ma- Max like can't aim a gun for like thirty seconds. <laughs> here's here's a question. So they like, how does chapter thirteen lead into chapter fourteen? Like, the end of chapter 13 is Max trying to kick a door down that they locked, and he can't. And then chapter 14 is him just going into an airport. I guess he left, and De Silva picked him <laughs> like, up. I don't just know. walk out of that police station where he killed he... conservatively 200 dudes. Okay, what fucking cops are going to come get him? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, killed all, he killed all of Sao Paulo, Brazil's entire police force, and then some. It's not like... He's going to be arrested. They just went into fucking martial law because of this dude. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little more about the the like level design of this level though cuz I think it's just so good. Um, there are sorry, there are numerous times in this game where I've been playing it and be like, I've never played a video game that had this kind of room in it. And there were numerous times in this level where I was like Actually, you know what? I remember thinking about about it in the little like pr- briefing room where Max goes in. He's like, I nodded off in a bunch of these rooms, but there's actually one of those in Resident Evil 2 remake. Mm-hmm. But whatever. This came first, so still counts. Or like uh, you can just explore a uh, an evidence room like at your leisure, which is really cool. Like you I, you must go in every build, every room of this building because the level's fucking long and you're just constantly fighting through into you're going through like like an office where the police do their desk work, you're going through the shooting range, you're going outside in their parking lot. Like, it's fucking rad. Yeah, I think this is maybe the height of their... You know, we've talked about the frustrating realism of level design before and, like, the yacht and stuff. But this, I feel like, is the pinnacle of, like, this absolutely feels like a real police station Mm -hmm. with like all of the like rooms and stuff that it would have and it doesn't it doesn't feel at all like it's set up for you to shoot your way through and it still works and then there are scenes where it's like actually this is a live fire range and so it's like it's like you it's it's almost making fun of the video game level thing where it's like this is the part that feels like a video game level most and it feels like that because this is like a training course for cops to run Mm. or something and it's just like oh god it's so clever i really like just the like the the kind of like enemy setups in this level and all the different scenarios they throw you into there's maybe an interesting article or just conversation to have about the way this game uh, purposes 
office supplies as like action set pieces like at some point you like jump onto just a normal rolling cart that like teachers mm-hmm. in grade school used to put projectors or whatever on and you just like go roll it in front of this long stretch of windows and shoot like 30 dudes off of a ledge that shit is so fucking rad like rather than have max on a motorcycle or something like bayonetta or some shit he's just on a like cart yeah no you're totally right and in in the same vein there are you know my favorite gunfights are ones in cubicles where like Mm -hmm. you're shooting like you know filing cabinets and like papers are just shooting out everywhere and it's like it's not like there are a bunch of red barrels in this game but what they have are just kind of like random debris that will Mm -hmm. fly up and a lot of times the best debris is just like office shit They, they add a lot beyond just the shit you need to take cover behind like in a lot mm-hmm. of those rooms there's the cubicles that is going to be your main combat arena but then there's like windowed off offices you can go explore that there are no enemies in no firefight takes place in this yeah. you can just go in like a boardroom or a meeting room or the office of a higher up in that whatever division you're in and like look around their offices it's cool that it's not just like you're not just funneling through these environments you can take time to see extra shit around it and get kind of like a little bit of environmental storytelling at the same time anytime you take more than two minutes to move on max is like i needed to hurry to get to (laughs) it is i do think it also you know those those windowed off offices are great for for two reasons one like you said just adding like a legitimacy to the feeling of it and also just like you're missing shots the other guys are missing shots and it is so much cooler when it's like hitting glass behind you and like breaking shit than just like hitting a wall and not doing anything so the uh those offices have doors like normal offices would but one cool thing you can do is put one single bullet through it and then run at the glass and shatter it with your body. Mm-hmm. I was a huge <laughs> fan of doing that. Yeah, I noticed. I did that by accident, and I was just like, wow, he just like he just went face first through that window. I'd added 10 minutes to my playtime because I did it to every single fucking office <laughs> with a big glass pane in front of it. Um, so, yeah, you, you fight your way through this. Um, there's a part you mentioned with the RPG, there's there's a part where there are some, like, escaped prisoners who are shooting an RPG at an armored truck. They get mowed down, but then you pick up the RPG and shoot it at the truck and it blows up. It's just good fun. You really, you don't have, like, explosives very often in this mm-hmm. game. Um, and so it feels like, you know, it feels real when you've got one and it's like, oh, this is, like, this is an RPG. Like, I could actually do some shit with this. Yeah. That was cool. Um, I I, and I kept it for a little while, like after I blew up the truck, and I would let like a congregation of enemies file in, and I'd be like, "Oh, they're next to another car. Shoot it at that car. Take them all out. So good." Um, and it would almost be a perfect level, except there's a boss fight at the end, dude, and, and it's it not sucks. good. It sucks and makes no sense. This enemy's it's- weakness is fucking ceiling tiles. It's it's the most video gamey this game gets, I think. Yeah. And this is a game where you jump on a boat through a house. <laughs> but yeah. like, like there is this thing where there's a dude and he's shooting at you from behind a railing and the railing is completely bulletproof and you can't shoot yeah, through bulletproof it. Bulletproof railing, you know. But what you can do is shoot the like shitty 
elementary school ceiling tiles above his head and they rain down on him and you do that twice and then and then he stands up and you can just shoot him in the face yeah he's like ah no more ceiling i better not take cover behind this (laughs) thing that isn't the ceiling and And it's really like i died a bunch of times i also entered this room with very few painkillers um and stuff but it's like you can't really see when he's aiming at you because it's just like a little hand above a railing (laughs) it just like it just sucks like i don't know why they felt like they had to put this in here rather than just like give me another big slow motion set piece you know who cares there was a really dumb process i took to beating this first off as i mentioned uh max Payne often if you're taking too long to do something he'll make a comment to make you hurry up which I hate that shit in video games. That's one of my least favorite things. Let me explore the shit that your fucking employees didn't see their families for years to make. Let me (laughs) at least look at it. Stop trying to make me hurry past it. But another thing a lot of video games do is if you're struggling to figure out what to do, the player will, or the character will make a little comment that'll, you know, give you a hint about how you beat it. Uh, This game never makes it clear how to beat this dude. So you basically just have to wait for Max to be like, I bet if I shot the ceiling, it'd be his kryptonite. Like, there's no indication other than that. Like, why would I shoot the ceiling above well, if you enemy? Well, if you die, yeah, if you die a couple times, he's like, that ceiling tiles look pretty loose. Right. But it's, it's like, like why yeah. otherwise would I ever think to shoot a ceiling above this guy? Like, w- there's no logic there to me. Um, yeah. Then once I figured it out, you have to. I had to run in the room, kill all the other guys. Then while he's shooting at me, run into one of the offices underneath him. There's like an armory under there. Mm-hmm. Get the high-powered rifle. Try to make it all the way back without him killing me. A feat in and of itself because I was also there with no painkillers. And then start the boss fight. So there were like three steps I had to take before I could even tr- like get the boss fight going proper. And then I died to people flanking me that I couldn't see around the geometry of the level. Yeah, it's dumb. And it just, like I said, it sucks because this level is so good that, Mm -hmm. that like, to kind of, to be reminded of, like, oh, it's a, it's a video game at the end of it is a real bummer. Um, And then, and then Max gets tased uh, and and can't get out of a locked room. I, and that's it. I think I mentioned this on the first episode. Uh, but I think my PS3 controller is big dying. So, and it's specifically the L1 uh-huh. button, which pulls up the weapon wheel. So a lot of this chapter and a lot of the next chapter, I spent dying because my weapon wheel was bugging. Oh, and it, God. I would get locked in the weapon wheel and it would trigger almost always when I was aiming. I don't know what is happening with my controller, but I would aim and then the weapon wheel would come up and I couldn't get out of it. So I couldn't shoot. I couldn't do anything. And most of my deaths were to that, which is not a fault of the game. I'm just saying. No, please, please join the Game Query Patreon so Blake can buy a new controller. Buy a new PlayStation 3 controller. That's right. He's chomping at the bit. The PS, the PlayStation 5 is probably coming out within the next like six to eight months. But yes, please help me buy a new PS3 (laughs) controller. Blake needs to play Dante's Inferno and the only place he can play it. 
that game big rips that game is awesome i that's honestly been a game that i've always wanted to play and i just like never have the first 10 minutes of that game you slaughter like 30 babies it's fucking nuts (laughs) i played i played the demo and i remember the boss fight is against like death like you kill the grim reaper (laughs) At some point, you fight. There's there's an enemy whose main attack is with her labia or something. That game is fucking out of control. Stay tuned for something rotten of volume four when we're covering Dante's Inferno. I fucking will. I I think I gotta watch Um, the movie for GQ review anyway. So, is there a movie based on the game? It's an animated movie. Yeah, I don't know if we're watching it or not. Uh, Okay, so. So, uh, Max, uh, strolls his way out of the police station, not a care in the world. Uh, Wilson De Silva picks him up, gives him some sweet shades, and drops him off at the airport, uh, where he walks through the front door. The funniest video game moment in the history of video game moments happens. Max is like, I think my cover is going to work. I just am a fat gringo. He walks through the front door and the first person he sees, he's like, oh, it's Max Payne. And Max is like, I guess that didn't work. (laughs) I mean, this is, this has got to be intentional. Well, it is. You know, like I think they, they talk about like, he kind of monologues about how dumb he is later, (laughs) but like, God, it's so fucking good that he's just he just has these like stupid sunglasses that he wears for like literally 10 seconds. Yeah. And then and then takes off and also dives. I want to know if you made this connection to me. He dives into the uh, climax of Toy Story 2. Does that mean anything to you? I I I know what you're talking about, but no, I did not make that connection. So so Max Max uh gets gets up on the conveyor belt that they you check your bag into in the airport dives through the little like plastic flaps that that's like oh what mystery is behind there and suddenly there's a whole like baggage wonderland and he's like time to start killing which is essentially what happens in toy story 2 and that's the the funniest shit to me is rockstar definitely sent like probably 10 to 15 employees on a uh, research trip to an airport had to get permission from whatever airport to get a tour of the behind the baggage claim area and they probably took no less than 500 reference photos which is a really (laughs) hilarious thing to think about there is a hard drive at rockstar that's just full of like bags behind the scenes and airport and I don't want to belittle their work, but that all that work amounts to pretty much the lamest section of that level. I was. I don't I know. I think it's pretty cool. I was stuck on the conveyor belt, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be cool. One of those cool slow mo motions this is gonna be badass." And it's like, "No, Max, just like a turtle goes yeah. through that section." And finally, I was like, "Oh, I'm supposed to just hop off of this conveyor." Belt. <laughs> you can't get off the conveyor belt. <laughs> I, but I was like, just going at my leisurely pace i was like no, these dudes aren't going to kill me because i'm going to go in the cool slow-mo section and then it's going to be badass and something's going to explode and never happen for me yeah uh he does have um he's got a like desert eagle or something like you start with like you weirdly you start with like eight rounds you know yeah. it, it's like you have almost no ammo at the beginning so yeah that, that first part of the level is pretty hard um uh, and then you you kind of you go through the behind the scenes part of the airport 
and then you kind of make your way into the front. Why are we here, by the way? Who are we chasing? The Broncos and uh, Becker. That's right. Who are getting on a plane to fly out They're... because rich people love to fly away from their problems, as Max tells us. That's what he says, you know, which he's not wrong. Rich people love to buy apocalypse shelters in New Zealand and just wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so It's more than I can say. So... Um, so you do this, and and let me say, I'll start. I'll start generally by saying I think this is the best music level in the entire game, and there Dude, is a musical yeah. moment that we'll talk about. But even not the big moment, just every fucking song in this level is so good. And I don't, I don't know if you can call it like an, a needle drop, but like. Every song in this level seems to enter by just, like, punching you in the face. Like, it comes in so hard. Um, and it and it happens when you go on that conveyor belt, and it happens, like, three more times. And it's like, health has been on their A-game for this whole game, but it, I think it is so cool that they're like, we're saving the best for last. Like, yeah. this last level is just going to be killer the whole way through. Yeah, when you finally come out of the back airport backstage to stage left and the song comes in with the actual vocals, that mm-hmm. shit hit so hard. I was like playing through it and I was like, the scene is so perfect. Please do not let me die to something dumb. Please do not mess up. I don't want this moment to like, you know what I'm talking about when a real badass mm-hmm. moment happens in a game and you fuck it up and you're like, ah, it's taken the wind out of the sails of this moment. That happened to, do it again. to me in everyone's favorite moment in red dead redemption where you get to mexico and far away starts playing and yeah. i like <laughs> fell off my horse and the song stopped or something it is was the like, worst <laughs> feeling and this whole time i was like don't fucking die do not make me do this again i just want this moment to be perfect because that song yeah. whips so much ass yeah so the song is is tears by health um and and it is it's the only song in the game other than like the kind of like club beats or whatever but like the only true song with lyrics um Mm. and it plays at here's here's a question that i have for you is that it's the moment is like undoubtedly awesome but it also the scene that you're playing immediately during it doesn't really have any like broader meaning i just thought it was like a cool build up to the climax you know yeah, it's just it, it's interesting to me that it doesn't happen during the climax, you know, because oh, sure. there there's a shootout with with Becker, and then you actually you get on a jeep and you chase him, you know, while his plane is taking off, and that also has a kick ass song, but it's weird that kind of like the biggest musical moment of the game is just kind of in in a terminal of this airport, which is. I God, it's so cool, but it's also yeah. just like oh, I am just still shooting guys. I'm just, you know, in kind of a different environment. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't really think twice about it. I was just like hyped up on that moment. Also, yeah, like is, go ahead. aside from uh, Modern Warfare Two, a very bad game, cannot think of many video games where you shoot through an airport. Yeah, I, I mean it's like it's like well we already killed two hundred cops so let's just like keep going on let's the, the cause controversy just like, spectrum. Let's just cause maybe a moderate national tragedy here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, over the course of twenty four hours. Yeah, I mean you know I I think it's implied that all the people got out, so like yeah. that's something. Um, 
But I do like how uh, expansive the area with the song is. Like, yeah. your sight lines are longer than they've been pretty much any other time in the game. This... And you've got, like, you know, high-powered rifles and stuff. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it's, like... It, it's an, it's kind of a different kind of shooting than you've been doing for much of the rest of your time. This level proves that a lot more levels in this game should have been far more open than they were. Well, you say that, but, like, the police station is basically the polar opposite of this, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. But, I mean, like, okay, maybe not to the level that the airport is. But when you play a level like the airport where it's just hitting and you're really loving, I like for me at least, I'm really loving how big it is, how expansive it is. I'm thinking like, man, compare that to the fucking yacht. It's like night and day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think that, um, you know, if you think about I know you maybe didn't enjoy this level as much, but the the like one that you're in the graveyard I oh, think yeah. is actually similarly open and has some like really big scenes. And yeah, it's interesting that Max Payne, I think previously has been kind of a series about tight corridors mm. and stuff. Um, and there are a lot of those here, but yeah, those, those, these open arenas really work. It's awesome. Um, it's great. I mean, it's just, it's just a great level. And so it, then you, sorry, it, it makes you juggle different enemies a lot more than other levels do. Like, in a lot of the levels in this game, I was just taking enemies on one at a time, be like, like a checklist. All right, he's dead, he's dead, mm-hmm. he's dead, he's dead. And this one, it'd be like, okay, this dude way off to my left, he just popped up. I'm going to put a few bullets in him before he ducks back down. But now this dude behind me is now up. So I'm like constantly juggling all these people around me. And there's a way that isn't, could not be fun. I think this game, like the way sometimes enemies flank you without you seeing them is not fun. But this game or this level somehow translates will really well to the player, even though there are enemies all around you, how to see them. And they're usually within your sight line. And it's fun to not be able to just like go one at a time, like prioritize different enemies before, you know, going back. You get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think it actually, you can see the kind of utility of making these enemies a lot spongier than they were in the earlier yeah. levels because there is like when you when you shoot a guy a couple times and he like falls down you're like i know he's not dead but i know it's going to take him a couple seconds to get up so in that time i'm going to like shift my focus over here and it's like it is maybe it's less immediately satisfying than the kind of earlier, just like yeah. pow, 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 just like knocking dominoes down. Um, but there's, yeah, there's kind of a greater strategic uh, conversation you're having. Um, Said that and then far you, more eloquently than I did. <laughs> I think, look, you got me there. <laughs> um, and, okay, so then you, you leave the big terminal. Uh, you get in those, like, airplane kind of subway cars or yeah. whatever it's like they basically they managed to fit in like a train to train fight in this game in an airport which yeah. is not where i would expect that to come up but you, it happens and you're like oh this makes sense i've read you also these. you also fight outside the terminal i don't know if he took it extra like 
before you get onto that train, there's a huge, two huge firefights outside or in throughout the terminal of that train. I don't know if you took a second to look around after the final firefight, but it is a comical amount of bodies on the ground. It's straight up like maybe 50 dudes. <laughs> that their bodies are just all laying there it's hilarious was it because they were like getting off the train yeah it was must that, have yeah. I, and i'm playing on like i was playing but at this point i had dropped down to the easiest difficulty so like i was mowing dudes down pretty quickly so maybe i just like happened to get them all kind of in a straight line as they were like getting <laughs> off the train but like i walked out because i had taken cover in the room on the uh, far end and i walked out and it was just like 30 to 50 dudes just all laying yep. on top of each other. Um, yeah, so you do... Okay, here is something that I love in this train scene, and it's it's probably my favorite like gameplay part of like the Uncharted 2 train scene as well, which is when it starts curving, and, yeah. and the cars in front of you are suddenly not in front of you anymore. They're a little like off to the side, and you're trying to shoot guys like three cars away, but suddenly you literally can't see them because like the the train cars are offset. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's just like it's that feeling of like, oh, I'm actually on something that's moving uh, yeah. in a really cool way. Also, Max does the most bonkers jump between these two trains. <laughs> yeah. I literally audibly was like fuck yeah when this happened it's it's very funny because you're looking there's this scene where you've you've just been like mowing guys on the other train down and then you like make eye contact with some of them and they're like laughing at you and max is like max is like i felt like there was some joke i wasn't in on and then and then you look over and it's like your train track is just about to end and so he hops from one to another sideways. Like, I don't know how the physics of that jump it's, even work. It is n- dumb as shit, but it rules. <laughs> it was it's so like that scene. Have you seen in, in uh, what, Fast and Furious 7, no. maybe? <laughs> I, no, I'm going to stop you right there. It's, look, it's just a Fast and Furious jump. Like, that's what <laughs> this scene is. It's something Vin Diesel would do. It's um, so funny because you land and then you just mow down, like, five dudes and they just all fall into a little, like, pile together. <laughs> yeah, who presumably all saw you do the most insane thing <laughs> they've ever seen a human being it's do. It's so rad dude it's the best moment of the game is this one second jump he does <laughs> it's like this game's pretty stupid at times with its action but this is the dumbest shit like it defies all levels of gravity physics and nature within one second and it's awesome it's fucking rad it's stupid um, but it's rad and so and so then you kind of reach the big Actually, okay, before you reach the big final set piece, there is an interesting series of cutscenes where Max is actually like, I'm going to be sneaky for a minute. And he's kind of sneaking through the airport, and you see that it is genuinely a fucking army. Yeah. Like, like the, there there are guys, like, marching in formation just on the tarmac. Yeah. And, and it is kind of, like, I guess indicative of just the unimaginable wealth of of the dudes that you're going at against is that did you take anything from that other than just like sure are a lot of guys well i was uh i was running long with getting through my chapters 
And when I was seeing these cutscenes, I was starting to get worried I was going to have to kill all of those dudes. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm not going to make it to a 7 p.m. call time. <laughs> but but no, he did, I mean, folks. Like, he did. I did. Real gamer hours. Threw that bitch on um, easy. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really think too much about it, no. But like thinking back, it was like an absurd amount of dudes. Yeah, and it's just, it's interesting because it's also just the, like, the idea of Max sneaking in quite literally the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. And it's maybe the only time he does it successfully. And then (laughs) he sees, um, you know, he sees Becker and Victor getting on a plane and he's just like, Sup, motherfuckers? And he just he just kind of, like, yells at them. The funniest shit is Max just deciding to declare his existence to people in this game. <laughs> yeah. like, he, he does, does it, it several he, times. He does it in the hotel when he's like, You sick fuck, you're turning him into glue. And this one, he's like, Guess who's here, bitches? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Also, in this chapter and the chapter, in this chapter and the chapter before it, I don't remember the voice actor's name who plays Max, but he's giving a fucking... He's not bad by any means, but he's giving an awesome performance in these two chapters. Like, he is like... I I know yelling a lot is not acting, despite what Noah Blomkamp seems to think with Marriage Story, but, like, there's also something to be said about a well-delivered yell in a performance, like, in the way it can convey emotion. And Max is, like, a pretty chill dude even when shit's going real bad but there's several sections in these chapters where max like loses it and is screaming in like frustration or yelling i don't know if yeah i think i think there's a there's a pretty big separation for me between like current max and kind of voiceover max yeah because i was i was still getting annoyed in like in the police station he's still kind of giving the same kind of like ah oh, here i was again why didn't i ever die like those sorts of things that he had been yeah. doing the whole game and i kind of wished that he i wish that the voiceover kind of changed tone towards sure. the end of the game but i think that it's okay because max in the like present moment changes tone and i think that's yeah. more interesting to see that he as a man is like caring about things, even though his voiceover still kind of seems like it doesn't. Yeah. And he's definitely breaking, especially at the end of that police police station chapter. Like he is like really losing himself to his rage, which, you know, this game explores his rage a lot, but he Mm -hmm. is like screaming at the top of his lungs with how angry he is in the moment. And it's just like a very well acted moment. It's, It's cool. We'll talk about, We'll talk about this in in a second, but, like, I find a lot of catharsis in Max's anger that I kind of don't in other angry video game characters. You know, like, like I always found Kratos getting mad entertaining. You know, like, I'm a big defender of, like, the original God of War trilogy, but, like, it was never, it was never, like nice (laughs) you know i wasn't i wasn't like fuck yeah kratos but i kind of do feel that way about max um but anyway he has like he he's not one note like a lot of 
he has layers to him, which a lot of video game male protagonists don't, just video game protagonists don't. So mm-hmm. when Kratos gets mad and yells, he's just angry dickhead Kratos. When Max gets mad and yells, there's so much context behind what's going wrong in his life that you actually feel it, you know, because you have had to listen to a monologue for 10 hours about how everything's yeah, falling it's, to shit. It's weird, but I like it that Max Max getting emotional is a victory, even though the emotion sure. is just rage. It's like you've seen him be so kind of like deadened to the world because you know kind of because of his like substance abuse and and just kind of like self-destructive tendencies you know he doesn't seem like he's got heated by almost anything and so when you see it's like no he like cares about shit now even though the way he cares is just by like fucking losing his mind it's it's like yes i wanted you to get here dude i mean it's honestly like I mean, Max is a, an old white dad. It's honestly like, I, I don't know what your dad situation is like, but like, you know, a lot of people want to see more emotion out of their fathers. Sometimes they fucking provoke them to see mm-hmm. more emotion, even if it's a negative emotion. It honestly like kind of feels like that where it's like Max just fucking like do something. Stop being this mid range nihilistic blase i don't give a fuck about anything but myself like actually care about something so when he does break you actually get to despite spending 11 hours in his brain see a human being there yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah totally um i just so let listeners know a little bit about my uh my my relationship <laughs> with my father i think oh uh, thanks for supporting so us on have... patreon dead you have another another boss fight this one is is better uh because you just you just kind of shoot guys until they stop coming and then you do a thing right can i ask you what this is like not on easy because they throw so many dudes at you in this like one room and i never left the cover i was in because it's like it felt like suicide to even try to stand up i i actually i had a really funny experience with this which is that the best way i found of doing it was literally just shoot dodging left, then shoot dodging right over and over again. <laughs> and it almost seemed like it was like, <laughs> this is this is really kind of like video game analysis wankery or whatever, but it was like Max kind of like, you know what? This is me. Like, this is what I do. <laughs> I just like jump in different directions in slow motion. You put some headcanon into it? Yeah. <laughs> I totally did. So I've played this before. I I remember this being a huge pain in the ass on previous playthroughs. On this one, I think I've just done it enough times that I like kind of knew. Also, on definitely on my first playthrough, I thought that I was supposed to go somewhere. I because they just keep coming, and it seems like they're almost infinitely respawning. And so I was like, maybe I'm supposed to get to the stairs, and it's like, no, you're just supposed to kill all of them. But it, but it kind of seems like there's a goal. Anyway, you kill all of them, you run up the stairs. Becker shoots a grenade at you. You shoot the grenade in the air. He's holding a riot shield, and the riot shield blows off with his arm still attached. Oh, it's so good. 
I didn't even know that happened. I knew his arm got blown off. I didn't know you could see it. No, you can see if you watch it again, it's very obvious. The the riot shield Uh is in slow motion. He's just got like a little arm that's like holding (laughs) on to it, flying backwards. Oh, Uh, that rules. Here's a question: Is the Becker execution optional? Yeah, I didn't shoot him. Okay, I totally did. So so tell me what what happens and maybe why you didn't shoot him. Uh, another OCD thing. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever characters in a video game have an inner monologue, I stand still until they're done talking so that I don't make the dialogue not uh, make the dialogue cut short. Mm-hmm. So Max was talking, so I was like, oh, I guess I'll shoot this dude when he's done talking. And if he gets to the end of his final line, no second hesitation. It just cutscene ends and it goes to the next thing. That's all that happens. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I didn't so shoot this, him. I think I remembered that it was optional and I was just kind of like, fuck this guy. Also, <laughs> I will so say. I just shot him. I will say I did plan on not shooting him. I didn't expect it to cut away as quickly as it mm-hmm. did, but I, it was clear, I, to me at least, that I was being given the option. I thought after he finished what he's saying, it'd give me like five to 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I didn't plan on shooting him just to see what would happen. I don't think it really changes anything because it literally, like, instantly changes to De Silva driving up and picking also, him up. Also, there's no way that guy isn't dead. It's not like you're saving yeah. his life. He's just going to die on the tarmac. Yeah, um, but also it seemed cooler to let him, if he did live, to just, like, it sucks to be you, dude. Yeah, so actually I'm I'm the good guy here. <laughs> yeah, you did him a favor. Um, okay, so here's something interesting. This is the first scene in the game that yeah. it starts with you walking up to him with the monologue. So I'd finally become what they wanted me to be, uh, you know, something, something, say what you will about capitalism. You get what you pay for. Right. Yeah. Like that's the mm-hmm. game starts with this. Do you think usually usually when you have like a, a flash forward and then flash back the idea is like when you get to this moment you're going to see it in a different light than what you kind of judged it as originally do you think that happens in this scene and if so Mm. what are the feelings i think when you see that scene at the beginning of the game it is such a graphic image of obvious brutality mm-hmm. um that seems to imply to the player max is pretty terrible now i'm not saying max isn't pretty terrible but in the beginning his monologue doesn't mean much to the player outside of wonder what he's why he's giving me the speech on capitalism but by the end that speech is recontextualized under are that is recontextualized by Max having just spent the back half of this game understanding how his dumb drunk ass was a pawn to the Brazilian government. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And him understanding not only that, but he, for whatever reason, was a willing participant in that. Max never stopped to try to get out of the situation. Max only tried to end the situation you know what i'm saying max never tried to escape from it he only yeah. wanted to see the end of yeah it. no he he willingly put himself deeper many times exactly 
even though his objective was to kill the bad guys and end the corruption, he that doesn't stop him from being a pawn in the whole situation. So I think once you see that monologue come back, you understand Max's willingness to kind of be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Max doesn't come out of this game looking good. And by the time that monologue rolls back around, you're like, Oh, and he was kind of okay with that. Like he was okay being this fucking murderer. Yeah, I think, I mean, and maybe this was just like my emotional state while playing this, but I think it's kind of interesting that it goes from like, this seems horrible. What series of events could have taken Max to this place when you see it in the beginning of the game to like, you know what? I'm kind of there with him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and maybe you know, I I I guess that is predictable because it's like you see what events brought him to this place, and mm-hmm. you're like, if I was put in this situation, I I might feel the same way Max does. You know yeah. that that he's like, I'm these people want me to be an angel of death, so like I'm gonna do that for him <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I also like I don't think that changes the fact that like whether you commiserate with him or not doesn't change the fact that the person doing that is a bad person oh you know? for sure i mean yeah, like, he's he's not he's not going to heaven yeah i think that monologue for me at the end is max's acceptance that like at the end of the day he still killed like probably as many people as bronco did you know oh yeah by different means and for different mm-hmm. objectives or different like moral beliefs but he still is like just as guilty of shit yeah um but you're not done killing yet because Fuck yeah um, you, you kill like straight up 400 more dudes after this so so the jet starts taking off you're like Fuck, the jet's getting away and then De silva golden boy De silva like swings in on a jeep you <gasps> grab becker's grenade launcher this game. and you're like <laughs> let's go there is a fucking awesome like guitar track that starts playing that's just like yeah. really high energy kind of unlike most of the rest of the soundtrack um that's just like shredding you're going you're shooting jeeps and like armored it's cars so and good. shit and the- then i got so then you finally catch up with the airplane and the way that you like shoot its engines off feels to me just somehow more like real than other it's like like it's one of those it's got kind of the engines like on the tail which is a Mm -hmm. kind of plane although it's not super common but like the way they come apart is just cool and and you shoot them you shoot them with a grenade launcher and then that plane explodes and in just like the utter maximalist kind of sensationalism of this game there is another plane coming in okay that like yes. just pulls up and manages to okay. not hit you that part though i could not ignore that didn't make no sense to me because look air traffic controllers well god bless those men and women out there uh they are not like it is uh, it, the planes do not take off and land at the same time on the same runway that just logistically doesn't happen. We pay a lot of people a lot of money to make sure that doesn't happen. They're here's, experts in here's their field. Here's my theory on okay. that. 
Victor Bronco, self-obsessed, only concerned with his own survival, is telling the pilot, like, I don't care what the protocols are, just get on that runway and take off. Oh my god, someone lost his wings after that, because that's (laughs) unacceptable. Because literally, that stuck in my brain during the end of this game, is like, why was a fucking plane landing on the same runway as a plane was taking off? Honestly... Do you have to shoot the plane? Because the planes will just crash into each other, right? If it <laughs> yeah. takes off, it's so ju- Max actually did a service by saving everyone on the other plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... It's a real I, Breaking I Bad do, Season 2 I, situation. I do not understand the logic. Behind, that scene would have been just as cool without the second plane. I don't, I don't understand know. what I it's I saw doing. that second plane and I was like, this kicks ass. Also, quick aside, mm-hmm. I just want to say... Grand Theft Auto V, which which came out the ex- year after this game, so it was in development at the same time, or roughly the same time, uh, has a huge set-piece level where you go to a plane hangar, do some murder, then get in your car and, like, make a plane crash on the runway. <laughs> Look, there are only so many things you can do in a video game. Really, it's, like, one of five, and I one mean, of them is, like, blow up a plane as it's taking off. I mean, for real, and that Grand Theft Auto Five level is just as awesome as this one. You, you, before the plane takes off, you, like, someone gets sucked into an engine, and there's just <laughs> blood everywhere. It's so the good. only thing that would have made this level better. Um, okay, so then I'm going to... I'm going to say what happened, and I want to hear your reaction, and I'm going to tell you my reaction to it, which is okay. you... Um, this plane breaks up, Victor Bronco is lying on the ground, Max is like, I'm gonna shoot him, and then De Silva is like, don't shoot him, Max, we have everything we need, don't shoot him, uh, and, and Victor, and, and Max doesn't, and Victor laughs, and he's like, you know I'll walk, and Max is like, you'll walk with a limp, and then he stomps on his leg, and you see his bone like come out of his leg like yeah. it is it is truly gross that what did you feel feels, about this i i don't know what's wrong with my brain but the only thing i was thinking was that seems unrealistic how can you stomp on someone and cause a compound fracture that requires so many pounds of pressure okay <laughs> here's that was here's the only I thing i thought and that the line you'll walk with a limp is real dumb here is this is interesting because I know I have played this before and thought this line is dumb. Like, this yeah. this is a weird way to end the game. This time, I really liked it. And, yeah. and I think my thought process is, like, Max... The fact that Max doesn't kill him does represent some kind of change in Max. And I don't think it's that he has faith in the justice system. I think it's just that he, you know, for whatever reason, is like, I'm done killing just, you know, just kind of helpless people. Even if they're evil, I'm not just going to, like, execute them the way I have been. But the fact is, he knows he knows that the system is like fundamentally broken you know and and he knows that this dude's gonna walk and so the kind of like the the expression of frustration by just being like i'm not going to kill you but i know you're not going to suffer a consequence from this 
so I'm going to make you suffer one. I I just I like I liked it. Like when sure. you know it, it seemed kind of like it's still the kind of Max nihilism. It's not like it's a different character than he's been through the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's the the thing I was talking about before, where it's like it's exciting to see him feel emotions. You know, him just being like, you know what? I'm not going to execute you, but still fuck you. Like, you know, you're still a piece of shit. And and this is the new me where I'm just going to give you a profound disability. Uh, I, again, don't know what's wrong with me in my brain here. But I also thought in this moment when Max is like, or when De Silva's like, he's going to go to jail. We're all good. I was like, what do you mean we're all good? I just shot up an airport, killed Not all you. the cops in the city, and made a fucking plane crash. I was like, there should have been some line, like Max just being like, two seconds, just being like, I got to get out of here. And yep. De Silva would be like, yeah, you got to run. <laughs> that stuck in my brain. I was like, yeah, I understand this organ harvesting is bad, but also I just a plane out of the fucking sky and we're worried about the legalities right now like clearly i did some fucked shit so i actually got hung up on that during this moment yeah i mean it's it's interesting i think this could come down to the the setting of the game and how rockstar kind of wants to pose brazil as this this kind of lawless country you know where it's like not it's like the the cops are corrupt and whatever's yeah. corrupt. And so it's it's kind of okay that you killed this many people because things just, like, justice doesn't work the way it does in America. You know, I'm saying that right. sarcastically, of course. But, like, I I think that's kind of one of the reasons why they set so much of this game here because you mm-hmm. remember when he kills a bunch of people in New Jersey he is like I gotta fucking go yeah and so the fact that they don't have that same conversation here I think says a lot about kind of how they perceive Brazil or how they want you yeah. to perceive Brazil and I mean to be fair Max does get out of Dodge after this um, <laughs> sure does but he doesn't talk about it but also like I'm with you and that big sucks like brazil is not rock stars brazil story is not rock stars to tell they're like scottish dudes by way of new york city Mm -hmm. they're uh not south american you know like dan hauser is not brazilian um it's not their story to tell and there are some like i think basically just the way you described it perfectly explains the their problematic view of south american countries you know like there's an argument to be made that even though max is the bad guy he's redeemed by the end of this game right Mm -hmm. no one that lives in brazil in this game is redeemed they yeah. all and also exist. no one would think Max was redeemed because sure. all he has done is kill them. But you, yeah, you, but you could make like as the player, you could make the oh argument. totally, yeah. But like no one that is a native of that country, they're not, they're never even Passos isn't redeemed. 
like we had a conversation at the beginning be like what the fuck like Paso should have he should have had a different ending whether you think that's he died or Max at least like maybe yelled at him a little more like like no one comes out looking good except Max mm-hmm. at the end of this because Max gets to have a cool inner monologue about being a capitalist pawn or some shit yeah um, and you know what Max Max ends up looking pretty good because the last scene of this game is Max drinking on a beach wearing a fucking like striker's hat or whatever. Yeah, I hated that. Okay, do not fucking don't tease me with your grandiose themes of sobriety that you couldn't even commit to when the character got sober only to throw it away as soon as it's not narratively convenient anymore. Oh my god, I didn't I didn't even fucking think about that. Of yeah. course, he's not he doesn't stay sober. He instant the the ending of this game says one week later. He was sober for a week and a day or something. Good lord. Oh my like, god. Like I I'm glad this game I'm glad they had the idea to explore addiction and sobriety. I think they had some interesting things to say about active addiction. I think the sobriety shit ended up just being some cheesy throwaway lines they put in here. So Max could be like, my head was hurting, but I still had to aim down the barrel of a gun without the liquid courage. And like, whatever the fuck. But then as soon as that's not interesting to the story, doesn't matter anymore. Yep. The ending scene, it there was no... If we want to think too much about it, technically it was a lapse and or a relapse. What it actually was was none of that shit mattered in the first place to the no. To it the was writers of the game. it was absolutely. I mean, literally sending Max off into the sunset. Yeah, like it. He it, says some cool shit. Uh, the the newscaster says it's stormy in some places, but sunny everywhere else. And then yeah. Max walks off while health plays, and it pans to a beautiful tropical sunset. Like, it is yeah. supposed to be a happy ending. The, yeah, the player is supposed to be like, hell yeah, he does deserve a beer after all that. After the whole point of the game was he can't have the beer. I, I cannot believe that didn't occur to me. Yeah, dude, it's crazy, Jesus. man. He so. instantly is just like, time to fall back on the wagon. And it's like, Max... That's not how addiction works. You can't... I had to... I did... I've done... I've done some not good things because of addiction in my life. Uh, I don't do those things anymore because I were, made conscious efforts to get sober and not be that human being anymore. If I fucking drank later today, within 48 hours, I'd probably be a terrible human being again. Max is a literal... He commits genocide because he's a video game character. You don't get a week off to decide, I don't fucking kill 3,000 people a game anymore. But because the that narrative didn't actually matter to this game, it was just something to get some interesting lines of dialogue out of, it doesn't fucking matter what you, what emotional attachment or res, like what you found resonant about that story. Just written out. He drinks now. Who cares? He lives a cool life. Sorry, Brazil, we killed a fourth of your population. <laughs> Shit sucks. It is wild. Um, and then, and also, then you get a, a big old smash cut to Max Payne 3, and that health song starts playing again, and you're like, God damn, this game is pretty good. Yeah, and also you learn in that cutscene that Victor Bronco hung himself in jail. He and, fucking Epstein'd. Yeah. 
as you know, he tried he hung to escape on a plane. You know? Maybe maybe he didn't. Um, but yeah, yeah g- good game. You know, problematic fave, seven out of ten. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. We spent what eight hours talking about it now. Yeah. A mixed okay. bag. <laughs> so there was there was something you wanted to talk about in this episode. Yeah. This game is almost ten years old, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. came out twenty twelve. It's twenty twenty. Um, it's almost a decade old at this point. Uh, this game looks great, plays great. Uh, this game also looks absurdly expensive. I don't know who. Maybe it was you, Jacob. But I heard one time someone just described Red Dead's visuals by saying they look expensive, which I've mm-hmm. always really liked, um, and has now become like one of my metrics for like describing or like judging how a game looks is like how expensive does it look sure this game looks absurdly expensive uh and in the first episode and not that we broke this story these stories have been around for a decade plus at this point um but we talked about you know the harsh working conditions of rockstar which Again, not even exclusive to Rockstar. You could say that about basically basically any video game you've ever loved had probably bad labor practices. Um, I'm curious, when you played this game, did you think about that? And if so, did it affect your enjoyment of it? Not in terms of like you enjoyed it less, but maybe just like you felt guilty for enjoying it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And... And the answer is no, but not, but I want to talk about that more, which is that I think that like, I just don't think video games are worth people suffering, you know, like, like no matter how good a piece of art is, especially if someone does not actually have the say over if they're, you know, I think like. I certainly put in long hours for the stuff that I do. I know you do too. Mm-hmm. People can make their own decisions about what they do for their own art. This is not the case here. And when you're working yeah. in a studio with like a thousand people, it's not that you are deciding I'm going to do this. It's that, you know, your bosses told tell you that you have to do this. This is the expectation, whatever. I, I, no matter how good a video game is, I think it would be better to not have people have shitty lives because of it so so i want to to first say that i am you know could not be more against the practices that resulted in this game that being said i i didn't think about it while playing and i and i kind of didn't think about it you know, I, I was thinking about it while playing, like, Red Dead Redemption 2, because, of course, sure. that story broke, you know, like, two weeks before it came out. Um, but it's... I don't know. I don't want to say that I can separate the art from the artist, like, implying that, like, some people can't or or that people should or whatever. But just in in my case they kind of exist as different things even sure. though i know they're not and yeah i don't know it's it's tough but you know i now that this game exists and and is out and you know does have a lot of things that i think it it wants to say or that that we can say through it 
I'm not sure if it serves any utility for me to be like feeling guilty while playing it. Yeah. See, and I think where I leave it, which admittedly maybe this conversation just has an anticlimactic ending, is I did think about it. Um, I often do, especially when games look very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think about it. I didn't feel guilty in doing it, which raises a different dilemma, which is like, if you don't buy the game that are made under these exploitive conditions, do you negate the hard work of the people that worked under those conditions? And that's a whole other weird, tricky dilemma. Yeah. Um, I did think about it. I didn't feel guilty for enjoying the game, but I do think on the other hand it's we've spent a lot of the show praising how good this game looks the production the particle effects the action the this or that blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. i think it's very important though in those conversations now more than ever where labor is such a hot button issue not just in the game industry but just like in general right now that we don't have to always feel guilty about enjoying things that we enjoy but it's equally as important to be cognizant of how they're made and the conditions in which they were made and bringing them up in the same breath, which admittedly, you know, we were not sitting here being like, Oh, we praise the game. Let's make sure we bring up crunch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we are starting and ending (laughs) with it. Sure. 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 But yeah, I think, I think the, the idea that video games are not made by magic is really important you know yeah. that that it's not it's not kind of like a like a fully formed thing that falls into your lap it is something that people spent immense time and effort on and that means that the often incredible like atmosphere of this game is because people worked so hard on it and and so we can recognize their talent and say you know i think this game would have been just as good or or you know negligibly less good if that polish was like one percent less and you were able to work slightly more normal hours yeah 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 and we're not game developers and i don't like pretend to speak for game developers but i do think as consumers of any media fuck consumers of anything you should try to be cognizant of the things you purchase and how they're made it's it's why sweatshops you do not want to buy shit from like nike or whatever you know what i'm saying because like they're the product of like exploited child labor but yeah but but i i also think you know especially in the kind of like realm we're in which is people who talk about games for a job it is i think that consumer boycotts are almost impossible to do effectively sure. at the at the scale that things are now bought and yeah. and certainly <clears throat> two copies of red dead redemption 2 less sold doesn't <laughs> do much but i think that actually what does do things are things like jason trier's reporting or or you know like on, on a much smaller level but things like people like us talking about it where like mm. you know it's it's not that you have to not enjoy these things it's not that you can't ever buy them it's just that you 
you shouldn't forget and you shouldn't let the developers forget that you know that this is how it was made. Yeah. So it's like, it's the same concept as telling your friend they pissed you off. Like, they're still your fucking friend. You can still enjoy the video games you like. Just also talk about ways they can be made better, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's strength in numbers and, like, even something like a tweet campaign where it's or not a campaign but like jason schreier puts his story out or you know a million other writers who have also written about rockstar uh, mm-hmm. put their stories out just retweeting that rockstar like is recently made a lot of steps since jason and other people's reporting to fix that company culture like there was a story that came out about it recently like something like a, a, a smash that rt you know what i'm saying did uh, you see this is this is pretty funny and, and a little less serious than we've been. But did you see that thing where I tweeted a picture of the um, Red Dead 2 PC reveal trailer? Like, like I was like, oh, my God, it like, you know, I, it, it, I can't believe something looks this good. And Rockstar retweeted it. And I was like, wow, check out these new screenshots below. And then just posted Jason Schreier's article. <laughs> I did not. People, they, there are a good number of people who were like pissed at me on Twitter. Like, like not, not people I know, just kind of randos. Yeah. But I was like, this is my best covert op. That's pretty good. And, no, and also know. it's, you know. It's hard to say. It it, it 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 feels a little hollow for like two dudes to just be like praising Twitter sure. activism after we yeah. have spent ten hours praising this game. But yeah, it's I don't know. Hey, I don't uh, I don't have the after? answer. Except here's here's the other thing you can do: be proactive in supporting unionization efforts and kind of game developers that you see doing it well you know if you if you see that there are a group of developers who are like fighting to unionize show them your support donate to their campaigns just talk about how you like doing it because as soon as companies learn that that's a selling point i think they will be way more happy to actually do it if if they learn Mm. that they can write on the box that it was made in a healthy environment like that's capitalism baby but like i think that's better than where we are now by a long shot how fucking sick would it be if like after the engine splash screens before a game pops up you see like their union logo like game workers (laughs) unite dude that that's something that like could happen i mean it says like sag is is credited in like every movie credits like that's it, it, it seems impossible but like other industries already do that yeah and if it means your games are like 10 hours shorter get the fuck over it let people (laughs) employees live their lives please make your games 10 hours shorter no i meant like if it means like people having better working conditions means you get less content get over it yeah you know what i'm saying or just that that it comes out you know six months later than how soon you wanted it or whatever Um, anyway anyway speaking of short games you want to talk about what we've been thinking about doing next year I mean, we can. I can't promise it's going to be soon that we're going to do it, but um, yeah, we can. I want. I really want to do Kane and Lynch. I watched the opening to Kane and Lynch 2 the other day. I was like, that's fucking disturbing. Uh, I guess this is, uh, th- dare I say this, a little rotten. 
Yeah, Maybe I it's think a something rotten. We Blake came up with the name. I will fully credit him. Something rotten as as you know from a line in Max Payne three. But I think making this one time game book club into a series on kind of like gross deviant nihilistic games that all seem to come out in this like short span of years is pretty fucking interesting and it's hard to think of games that exemplify that more than kane and lynch one and two which are both four hours long and and uh look like they star the gta 5 protagonists fuck yeah dude i'm amped yeah so uh it won't be it won't be in the next week or even the next several weeks but i think that's probably the next on the slate and we we will return oh well, i'll say between five and eight weeks from now because i got to do a takashi miike series after yeah this. something like that <laughs> yeah but yeah that's gonna be fun i'm really excited i have i have other ideas too that kind of branch beyond the the just the nihilism aspect to maybe just critical reevaluations of shitty games <laughs> but we'll you, see how you deep better not make it. me play fucking ride to hell retribution no i was thinking of asura's wrath actually oh everyone loves that game man That's, do they yes yeah that oh. game is full circle come around okay maybe we don't we maybe we won't do that one anyway we're going to We'll talk more about this after the podcast ends. For now, thank you all so much for listening to Something Rotten, our Max Payne 3 miniseries. Um, Listen to Game Query shit. uh, Support independent artists. Be good. Do good. Um, That's it. That's all I got. What's your Patreon? What's that? What's what's your Patreon? My Patreon's Jacob Geller, but who cares? Who cares about that? Game Query Patreon. I'm fine. We all have other jobs. You know, plug yours. I I'm glad I'm glad we did this. Plug your Patreon. My my Patreon is Patreon.com/slash/JacobGeller. You can you can okay, cool. go on my YouTube channel. You can see Jacob Geller. I just released actually two new director's commentaries on old videos because we hit a fun patreon milestone so there's a now full-length video commentary on both the mario galaxy video and my universal paper clips videos those are those are old faves i think um so yeah go go hop on that and what's your most recent video you just put out uh it's called why do horror games sound so beautiful and it's me basically fangirling out about uh jessica curry and and um akira yamaoka and other horror game composers for a long time it's pretty good okay hell yeah there we go now you can close out the show (laughs) that's it well do you want to share your stuff or no uh i don't think i have an article coming out until november all right well follow metallica's rad on twitter um (laughs) and and for blake hester i'm jacob geller this was something rotten See ya. For Jacob Geller, I'm Blake Hester. Mm-hmm.